Hello and welcome to Columbus Local Podcast. I am Len D'Amico and this is episode 54. Today we have David Blosser. David, thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me, Len. I, I appreciate it. And I guess right out of the gate, let me apologize for having to reschedule our little get together. Oh, it's no worries. No worries at all. Good. I appreciate that. I appreciate being invited back. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, we, uh, we, I think we were uh, trying to get something pulled together in the fall and you're not the only one who's had to reschedule. So don't feel bad at all. Okay, good. Yeah. We all have, uh, we all have busy lives and it, we got, we got to do what we got to do, man. Absolutely. Um, but I'm glad you made it in tonight and, um, geez, episode 54. I can't believe it. Congratulations. That's 54. Crazy. Yeah, well, you know, and uh, David is the drummer for Phoenix Rising. Yes, sir. Uh, one of uh, one of the top rock cover bands that uh, we see playing all the clubs around the Columbus area. Um, you know, that band it really has a really interesting history as well. Um, when did you come into Phoenix Rising, and how, how are you feeling about the the progression of of the band? Um, well, right now, I honestly, I couldn't be happier to be a part of Phoenix Rising. Um, I joined the band probably about five years ago. And when I joined, it was Don and, and Richard. And I came in and we immediately started looking for a uh, vocalist. And so we auditioned a bunch of people. And we, at that point, we, we brought in Cassie. Um, a lot of people are, are um, friends and know Cassie. And she came along, and, and she was just great. Um, we did that for, I don't know, about eight, nine months. Uh, and that was really during the COVID time. And, you know, a lot of interesting gigs were going on those days. Uh, you know, you started at 7, and you would end at 10.30, and you were home before midnight. And so that was quite a change from, you know, the regular 8 to midnight or, you know, even to 12.30 or 1 in some cases. Um, yeah, and the tear down and then the load in, reload and late night breakfast, whatever. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And so, you know, during the, the, the COVID shows, uh, that's, uh, you know, really where we, we were playing a lot and uh, we, we really got comfortable playing with each other and having an idea on, you know, the familiarity that you get when you play with people for a number of uh, months and it just starts really clicking and it just kept progressing and progressing. And I couldn't, couldn't be happier, to be honest. I uh, love those guys. Uh, right now, uh, the, the lineup is Kelly Rush, Dave Lynch, and Richard Dell and myself. And I, I honestly, I could not be happier. Um, Kelly is just an amazing singer, uh, amazing leader, and she's just very driven and uh, always has great ideas and is looking forward to the next uh, the next big event. And Dave and Rich, they are phenomenal re musicians and absolutely no eagle, ego whatsoever. Uh, just a pleasure and to be that, with them. That definitely uh, reflects in a performance. I mean, everyone just clicks right side by side, you mm -hmm. know. What a, what a great, great band. That's good to hear. Thanks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, it, and the material, too, you know, has really, uh, I think, progressed to to a broader audience, maybe. It really has. We yeah. When we started, it was uh, very heavy material, and we've really progressed um, and opened up the set list to a much more 
diverse uh, group of songs. And, you know, you can dance to them. And the way that uh, we, we position the songs, uh, I, I think it's a good mix. We start out, we're not doing the dance stuff right away because, you know, nobody's really in the dance mood right at 8 o'clock. You need a, a few drinks in maybe. And then uh, everybody kind of loosens up. And so we put all the dance stuff really in the middle, you know, early, early middle and then kind of late middle just to keep people out there dancing and keep everybody happy. And that, that's really what it's about. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, recently um, Beth and I came to Fenders and saw a show um, also at Turtle Creek, too. But the Fenders show was um, absolutely packed. Mm. And you, you, the band was tight, I think probably feeding off all that, that energy, but it was, it was really, you know, Kelly in particular had not sounded, I mean, I've always respected Kelly. I've always respected Phoenix Rising as a band, right? Um, I, was, I will say that, you know, beyond that, the the performance that night was just incredible. That was the most, most recent performance. You guys have really, 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 really come to advancing every level. You well, know, that's it's, it's it's good to see. That's that's phenomenal to hear as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, we we do put a lot into the show. We put a lot into you know rehearsing and knowing the material and trying to present you know the best the best show that we can. Um, and again, you know, picking the songs, you know, that, that's going to help that. Uh, you know, we're not playing all Rush songs. We're not playing all Tool songs. And so, you know, you got to play to the masses. And I think we've really done that over the last few years. Changed things up, um, added a lot more female vocalist type uh, material that Kelly can really just just shine get, be, get behind and, oh and absolutely shine yeah, and for and, sure. and speaking That's of that good that you guys do that right yeah you're you're getting behind your your front person and you know embracing that wheelhouse oh absolutely you have to you cannot like i can't go to kelly or the band and just say we're gonna play all my favorite songs uh no it it's that's the very last thing it first thing is first of all kelly has to be able to sing it and she has to feel it you know, and from there, then, you know, we start looking at, oh, is this a doable song? Because um, to be totally honest, most of the people out there, they don't really care what I'm doing on the drums. They just want to hear that chorus. They want to hear that line and they need to hear it uh, in key and powerful and with passion. And Kelly does that. Uh, Kelly's amazing. You got to get Kelly in here. Kelly, you got to get in here. <laughs> Kelly knows she has a she has a open invitation, um, but you know I do respect the fact that not, you know not everybody wants to do a podcast episode. You know it's not an easy thing to do necessarily for everyone. Um, there are a lot of drummers though that 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 <laughs> that want to do it, which is cool. Um, we like to come, but from, there's some front folks yeah. and there's some guitar there's some guitar players too because I. I, I I've been acquainted with a few of those guys over the years. Well, a lot of us drummers, uh, we're just, we're dying to get into the front, you know, <laughs> we're so used to being in the back in the shadows and, and this gives us an opportunity to, to speak and, and to kind of be heard and to let people know what, what we're doing. Yeah. And what you guys are doing though is, is stemming from just a vast experience base from each of you, you know, um, 
I mean, Richard in particular, you know, he's got just a great history. Um, David on, on guitar. Um, again, another jewel in the city of, of um, guitar players. I mean, he, he's just solid as a rock. Yeah. And then Kelly herself, I mean, fronting the band, managing, she manages the band, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, um, you know, provides a lot of direction and leadership, mm-hmm. um, obviously, and um, has respect of everybody in the band and, and vice versa. And then you, you have a, just a great history uh, that I think we'd like to learn a little bit about, David. Well, all right. I, <laughs> I, can, I can provide some details there. Um, yeah, uh, really digging this band. And, and I think I told you earlier that, that for me, this is, is one of the, the, probably one of the best bands I've ever been in. Zero ego, zero drama. It's just, it's all fun and it's all, it, it's all, it's all really good. As it should be. Yeah. You're, you're, you're so fortunate. I am everyone, beyond everyone's fortunate. everyone's fortunate. Yeah, but I, it's not it's not always accident, man. It it really is a, a series of of decisions along the way, don't you think? Yeah, I I would agree with that for sure. And and getting along and everybody being really on the same page uh, with each other, uh, I think is a is a big key as well. And I I believe we're all on that same page and we all have the same direction and all the same goals and we love performing we love playing um and we we really get along well and so again i mean i just i couldn't be happier so very thrilled very blessed to be uh with these guys right now and uh hopefully they feel the same (laughs) i i think they most likely do i mean just just the vibe from the shows man you know you guys you guys have a strong brother and sisterhood for sure cool Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, well, I guess kind of, kind of going uh, back to uh, my beginnings. I guess uh, I started really uh, like a lot of people did my age, uh, where uh, somehow one of my older brothers uh, ended up with uh, Kiss Alive and Kiss Alive Two, <laughs> and I'm at the ripe age of eight years old, and so. For all of you out there that have opened up that Kiss Alive 2 album and have seen that stage and the fire, that's what did it for me. And from then on, I mean, they were like superheroes, right? You know, and I'm eight years old. Oh, yeah. I can I can share that experience. With oh, you absolutely. Sure. Uh, it, it was incredible. And, you know, later on in my life, I ended up being Ace Freely a few times uh, for Halloween. And, and I guess, you know, I'll, I'll still dance around anytime I hear kiss, uh, old kiss. And, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'm an Ace Freely, uh, fanatic. I, I will air guitar all his solos all day long if, if I could. But, uh, yeah, other than that, um, that's where I really got my, uh, my start. And, uh, one of my, uh, I have three older brothers and one of them brought home a drum set. And again, around the same time with, uh, kiss and with uh, drums in the house, I just kind of started taking over, and that was uh, pretty much when I was eight years old. And then when I was nine, I uh, started in the uh, the elementary school band, working on snare drum and getting lessons and doing those kind of things. And I did, uh, uh, you know, band through school, through elementary, through middle school, and through high school, and even into college. Did all the, uh, you know, concert band, did marching band, percussion ensemble, pep band, all those fun things, um, 
which really gives you a great discipline and a good understanding of, of music, I believe. And, you know, I, I think that's really, really helped me uh, along the road. Excuse me. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, that's, um, that's, that's interesting, too. And it's interesting, too, that, you know, Ace Freely, I mean, or Freely, I think is what he pronounces, but he, you know, he, he was very inspirational to, to so many people across the globe. Um, I'm just curious, you know, were you drawn to the guitar or the, or the drums? What was, how'd that, how'd that hand, how'd that come to you? Well, I think at first I was drawn to the guitar because we would, uh, kind of get together with uh, some of the neighborhood friends and, you know, have tennis rackets as guitars and kind of stand and, you know, I'm like seven or eight years old at this time. And, you know, it's, it's whatever music the older siblings had that we could get a hold of that we would all just kind of try to be a band. And from that point on, it, it really just kind of stuck with me. Um, I did want to be Ace Freely. <laughs> I still want to be Ace Freely secretly. Um, but drums is where uh, I really fell in love with, uh, with that particular instrument. And you know, from uh, age eight on, it was it was all drums, um, playing on pillows and those kind of things. Was first. that was that in Columbus? Uh, no, uh, I grew up in uh, Athens, Ohio, where Ohio University is, and that's where I was, uh, and that's kind of where I got my start uh, with uh, with music um, in the Athens program. And and growing up through all that. You know, you're you're really doing mostly drums, and so once I did graduate uh, from high school and went into college, um, I didn't really have a lot of that music theory background. Um, I obviously could read music, I could read drum notation, but there wasn't a lot of uh, keyboard activity. So like marimba or xylophone or the vibes. So we didn't really do a lot of that. And then once I got into college, um, of course, I'm now expected to play four mallets. And I can barely even play two mallets, uh, much less four. And so as a percussion education major, you also had to have a secondary instrument and you had to be a pianist. And so I suddenly, you know, coming out of high school, I'm a drummer and now I'm playing piano and playing four mallet marimba stuff. And was incredibly difficult, incredibly challenging for me because I was a, a drummer. I wanted to be a drum set player and I wanted to go to college to learn that. And um, I eventually, uh, I got to about a junior and then I ended up uh, leaving that because uh, some of the experiences that I had prior to that, um, like right out of high school, I was able, I was fortunate enough to get an audition to be the house drummer at Caesar's Pocono Palace in uh, Pennsylvania. And I got the gig and right out of high school, I'm, I'm there and I'm playing on this big ginormous red drum set, wow. <laughs> double bass kicks, <clears throat> um, playing, you know, a lot of pop, some rock, a little bit of everything and it was it was really a show band kind of situation. And the uh, the leader of the band, if you recall, and I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but if you recall the Tonight Show with Doc Severson, the, sure. the trumpet player. Yep. So the leader of the band was played a lot like him. I mean, just the trumpet was just outrageous. And so just an 
an amazing musician and it was a it, it was very interesting coming right out of high school going into that um really uh i i did that for about three or four months and really ended up kind of being a scared little chicken from uh, athens ohio that was now you know in in this uh big time situation you know the red velvet if you can it imagine like full it. red velvet rooms man um it was quite an experience um and so it, did you live in the Poconos while that was happening? Yeah, I did. Wow. So, so this resort, it's a couples only resort. And so, uh, you couldn't really have, you know, like a 18 year old long haired guy just walking around the area. And so you were pretty much, um, in your room. Um, and there was some interesting things going along there. There was a couple of, uh, car rides that I had to take with the leader to go pick up money from hot dog stands. I mean, just some interesting stuff um, that, you know, as an 18 year old coming right out of high school, uh, you know, just really blew me away and kind of frightened me <laughs> a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> um, but uh, it, what an experience. Um, I was able to, uh, you know, grow from that really and came back to Athens. And that's when I started to go back to school. And at the end, you know, kind of decided, well, you know, I got this great audition and I got that gig. I guess I don't really need a degree in music to, to do these things. And so that's when I decided to uh, kind of change gears and do the uh, business management kind of situation. And so I did that and just, you know, always continued to play. But yeah, as far as uh, school goes, I went to about junior year in percussion education, and it just the theory, the the mallet playing, the piano playing was too challenging for a drummer from Athens, Ohio, and so it it made it very difficult for me to to continue that route. Um, and I also kind of decided I didn't really feel like I wanted to teach you know, how, this is how you hold a stick. This is how you, you know, play singles or doubles or paradiddles, um, for the rest of my life. And, and now I'm kind of like wishing, well, I'd, I'd really kind of like to do that, to be honest. Um, but you know, lesson learned, you, you live and you learn, right? Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, did, did that kind of thing. Uh, and then, um, really kept, kept playing and was in a number of different bands, um, you know, as I was growing up. Um, one of my favorite bands uh, was uh, an all-original band, and we were kind of prog guys at that time. And I'm a, I'm a music nerd, and so my friends were also music nerds, and so we really wanted to make uh, the, the most difficult music that we could possibly make. Um, so a lot of people you know, kind of looked at the music as it was Rush meets Black Sabbath meets uh, Jane's Addiction, which was, if you think of all those styles kind of thrown in together, that I would go see that band. Yeah, and this is in the 90s? Uh, it is, okay. yeah, very, so very early the 90s. Influential oh, yeah. acts that you, that you were talking about. Yeah, um, and so we, we, we played, we were together for, I played on and off with the guitar player since, you know, I was in middle school, and so he's, he's like a brother to me, Derek Whitlatch, uh, he's like a brother to me, and so we were in a number of bands together, but uh, this particular one, it was called Sylph, 
And we actually played uh, at the Al Rosa Villa for a, a Battle of the Bands uh, many, many years ago. And uh, but the the band itself, we uh, it, it was just a lot of fun. It was all selfish music. It was prog. It was as difficult as it, we could possibly make it. Most songs were five, ten minutes long. We had a few even longer songs. Uh, but again, it was it was very selfish, and it was very it was a growing period for all of us. Um, you know, and I, that's really where I learned a lot of the, the, the music theory that I had been lacking um, as I was growing up in like, you know, the, the, the elementary school, middle school and high school kind of stuff. But the interesting thing about some of that music is, like I said, we tried to make it as, as difficult as we could. And so, for example, I think one song we wrote a lot of odd time songs and one was in five. And one of the things that I did was. Um, so I would have, uh, to, to try to make the audience, uh, feel the beat a little bit. So if it was in five, I would play like the, the backbeat on two and four. So one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. So two and four again, which is your classic, you know, bass drum on one, snare on two, bass drum on three, snare on four kind of mentality to try to bring in the listener. And so what I like to do was kind of mix things up or displace some of the notes. And so during a guitar solo, instead of playing the downbeat on two and four, I would play it on one and three. And so, again, to make things as difficult as we could with each other, we never did anything, you know, in fours or a common number. So we might play the two and four three times and then the one and three three times and so you know you might get one two three four five 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 one two and just switch it around like that and it it gives a really interesting feel for uh not only the musicians but for the audience and as oh, i said sure. as i said it was kind of selfish indulgence with uh, just trying to make it as difficult on ourselves as we could, which we were successful in doing that. Um, and so that that's a good example. This, of, was, this was in Athens, right? This was in Athens, Athens. Ohio. Yeah. That's a real incubator of music. It is. That, uh, that area of, of Ohio. A lot of, uh, a lot of acoustic stuff going on, yeah. but again, just a, a melting pot of so much, uh, which, which was really great growing up in, you know, um, you know, and one of the, one of the things that I liked about that band was we had almost four hours of original music and, you know, it was all crazy stuff. And somehow we, we could remember playing that. And, and we even did the Alro Sevilla battle of the bands and, and came in second place. And oh, I remember, man, I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, I remember because, uh, we were coming up from Athens and the band that we went up against, uh, was a Columbus band and it was, there was a major snowstorm, And so none of our fans, none of our friends or anybody could come to the show because it was, you know, it's a it two hour drive. Weather. It was horrible weather. And you know, they weren't going to drive two hours there and then back. And so we really didn't have anybody in the audience and it was really about audience participation and getting the audience, you know, going um, and the, the other band just, you know, they had all their followers here and they just killed us with that. And uh, what's really interesting is one of my old coworkers, uh, Holly Wilson, uh, her husband 
was in that band. And recently, I think it was within the last five years, I, I learned that her husband was uh, in that band that beat us. And when I learned that, as soon as I learned that, I said, I want a rematch. <laughs> but, you know. That's cool. Yeah. So that, that, that was a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, that, uh, that's a big part of um, my music because I just, I really got into um, odd time signatures and a lot of the, that complicated stuff that my, my favorite band, Rush and Tool, they do that stuff night and day. Um, and so that was a big inspiration for me. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it shows even today, man. Cool. So well, you're doing some of that material. Yeah, we uh, we we put in uh, we have a couple of rush songs that that we do and uh we'll we'll pick and choose, you know, put one in. Sometimes we'll do both, uh, which is really cool too. Um actually I remember I think it was like a year and a half ago. I think we were at the uh Ugly Mug maybe and we did both of those rush songs within the first four or five songs and then when we did this break, so during intermission, this gentleman uh came up to me and just put his driver's license right in front of me. And, you know, I'm just like, what's going on? And all I could see was the last name was Peart. And I'm like, what? And he goes, my great uncle would have been thrilled with that performance. Wow, man. And that just blew me away. And then actually <laughs> later, uh, a few months later, um, I had reached out to uh, Nancy, which is Neil's sister uh, for a different matter. They were doing a charity event and, and I uh, donated uh, some money to that, but I was speaking with Nancy and, you know, I said to her, you know, this gentleman approached me with the last name and everything. And she, and she was able to say, well, yeah, they are absolutely no relation to our family. And so I was crushed. Yeah. I'll say, yeah. yeah. And, and, and we were, it's good to know the truth though. Yeah, it is. And, but that night when he told me, you know, that was like, I, I was like pulling all my friends over, like, look, look at this guy. Absolutely. Um, but you know, again, I, I probably looked pretty silly at that point. No way. No way. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a fun experience, but, uh, yeah. Very cool. So, so Athens, um, Battle of the Bands in Columbus, you know, um, what, what did you do next from that point? Um, so, uh, I guess really after college, my, my girlfriend at the time, Jessica, uh, who's my wife now, we decided to go to Chicago and, uh, my wife, uh, was going to be an accountant and she had a job lined up, uh, right out of school and we wanted to make Chicago our home and, you know, I talked to the band that I was in, that the, the prog band I was telling you about, Sylph. Everybody came along but our lead singer, uh, which is all, you know, totally understandable. And so instead of being a uh, prog band with uh, a vocals, we were now a prog band uh, instrumentalist. Uh, and, and that doesn't go over very well at all. Um, prog music at the time didn't go over very well, but when you took out the singing, it didn't go over very well. Yeah. Um, but again, it was all that crazy odd time music, very long songs. We readjusted everything to, to try to make it a little bit easier on the listener, but 
you know, uh, we had to learn our lesson the hard way. And, you know, we had a few gigs where there was like absolutely nobody there. And, and in Chicago, you, you kind of have to pay to play. So you have to sell your tickets to get people to go there. And if you don't sell any tickets, well, not only do you not have anybody there, but you don't There's get no paid. Show. Right. There's really no show and you're there performing. And if you're trying to make a, a living and a go out of this, that's that's not going to work. So you're learning these lessons in Chicago of all places, man. That's that's a big city. It it's a very big city um, compared to where you were, right? I mean, oh yeah, coming from Athens, a very Athens small, is so gorgeous, small college town. Yeah, oh, it's very gorgeous. It's beautiful there, and you know we were really a a bar band that you know we felt we had a little bit more to offer, and we wanted to to give it a go and and see what happened, and we. We gave it a go, and we saw what happened. Yeah. Sadly, I guess. So, did you stay together? Did you find? Did you look for maybe someone to we to we front the band? We tried to find singers, uh, and we ended up uh, bringing somebody on. They they didn't work out very well, and and long story short, you know, after you try for you know really hard for a good year and a half, trying to find vocalists and trying to find you know your your footing. Um, it just was getting way too difficult for us to do this. And so the band pretty much split up at that point. And I'm still close with everybody. And every now and then we'll do a, a reunion kind of show and we'll get together and we'll try to play as much as we can. Um, and we're probably about due for that right now. But yeah, at that point, I, I switched gears completely and went from a prog band to more of a folk band. Um, and so I was playing with, uh, this, this artist, her name is Maria Hines and she just had such a beautiful voice and played acoustic guitar with it. And it was just so different from what I had been doing. And so that was, that was perfect for me. So I could kind of sit in and, and play more pocket, be more of a Charlie Watts kind of drummer and just really get into the groove. And I loved that. I mean, it was so much fun. Um, the tunes, the melodies, the interesting places to play, coffee shops all around uh, Chicago. We played around Wrigley Field, uh, a lot of fun. Um, but my heart was more in rock and roll and, and prog and stuff. And so I, and again, I, I'm, I don't burn bridges. I don't believe in doing that. And so I still keep in touch with Maria. And she knows anytime she gets a recording or she's going to do something, she's going to, she'll probably give me a ring, hopefully. Oh, that's good. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you never want to burn any bridges. No, no way. And not, not just with musicians, but just period in life. Cause, uh, you never know. Um, yeah. So, uh, did that for a bit, uh, learned a lot going, you know, to a very different genre and, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of did that. And then we ended up moving, uh, back to Ohio and, uh, we got married and started our family here in, in Dublin. Awesome. And you guys are in Dublin now? Correct. Yeah. yeah we're we're still raised, raising your family there. We did. Uh, <laughs> we've been back, um, gosh, almost, I'd say pretty close to 19 to 20 years now uh, where, where we're at here in Dublin. Uh, our two kids um, are doing phenomenal. Um, our oldest is about to start uh, college and our youngest is going to be a sophomore in high school and yeah, they, they keep us very busy, very active, and uh, 
I, I couldn't be more proud of, of both of them. Oh, for sure. And uh, yeah, they, they're used to the drums and all that. But during, you know, when, I, when we were raising them, I, I continued to play. I always played, uh, you know, especially when they were young, very young. They would just kind of think the house was falling down on them, you know, when, when daddy was playing the drums. Um, <laughs> Good for you. But yeah, they, they knew that, that that was a, a huge part of my life. And, you know, they would even go down and tinker around with it here and there. But yeah, they, they knew that that was a, a big part of who I am. And, uh, in the house, in the household, right? Oh, absolutely. So yeah. did anybody pick it up in, in the, in your family? No, nobody, nobody really did, uh, the music thing. I mean, they both love music. My, my oldest right now is at the Drake concert. Uh, he, I, yeah, I'm not really familiar with Drake. Um, I've heard a couple of things here and there, but uh, yeah, they they is that, is that nationwide. Yeah, there? yeah, oh, they're just right, right down right the street. Right yeah, oh, wow. that's cool. Yeah, um, and then my youngest is going to the Drake show tomorrow night. Here, he's doing two shows, so both of them love music. Uh, they're both, you know, thrilled that that I'm in music. They think you know, Daddy's super cool because he plays in a band. He's a drummer and. You know, he does all these shows, and they think it's pretty cool. That's good to hear. Yeah. So it, it makes me feel good, too. <laughs> <laughs> you are the rock star, right? Yeah. That, they're my biggest fans, of course. So, That's awesome, yeah, that, that makes me feel good. That's um, cool. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I played, you know, I never stopped playing. I, I was doing a lot of silly recordings. Um, you know, if, you, if we're friends on Facebook, you can go to, like, my videos, and you can see videos I was doing, uh, you know, 15 years ago, I uh, was would be doing like a Rush song or or even playing some of my uh, other percussion instruments like tablas um, and some of the instruments that I've gotten uh, over the years just to, you know, keep keep it going um, and just to stay busy, I guess. Uh, I never stopped playing, um, which was, you know, really important to me. And, um, you know, I didn't want the kids to... Uh, you know, always have silence. And so, you know, you can, you can uh, vacuum the house while they're sleeping. And so drums were a big loud noise. And so uh, they were used to that in our household That's and fortunate. still in. That's fortunate. Yes. <laughs> yes. Fortunate for me anyway. <laughs> so were you, was it all inside the house or were you getting out playing with bands from Dublin during um, that time? Didn't do a lot of that on occasion. One of our mutual friends, Mark Naraki, who uh, I love Mark. He's such I a good guy. I love Mark, too. And Michelle, Mark and, and Michelle. Michelle. Yep. I love both of them. Um, Mark would, uh, he would invite me to come out and sit in here and there. And so I, I sat in um, with Down 12, I believe it was. And that was probably, God, I, I can't even remember how long ago that was. Probably seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, maybe. Um, but Mark was gracious enough to invite me out to do that and, and, uh, loved Mark for, for keeping me involved with that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, so I, I didn't play a lot, but I was playing at home all day. I'm not all day, but every single day, really. Often, yeah. Good every you. single day. And just to keep the chops up and to keep learning. Um, and that, that, that's always been a big thing for me is, is the education aspect of this. Oh, Sure. Oh yeah, and it shows, man. I mean, definitely. 
you're a perpetual student of, of your craft. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you never stop learning music. I mean, there's, there's always something to learn, something to improve. Um, even, uh, you know, it was, I guess it was before I joined Phoenix Rising, I had just left the band uh, Night Force. I don't know if you've heard of them. But oh, sure. Uh, Mark, uh, is that Mark Rude? Yes, Mark Rude. Yeah. Um, he, he's, uh, and he's brought that back, and I think they're back out doing, the, doing things. So, I saw um, them this summer, actually, if awesome. I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, I think they did a couple bike nights, um, and then Quaker. a few others. Yeah, Quaker, I believe they did that. Um, I, I haven't really kept too in touch with them, but um, after I left uh, that band, uh, you know, I didn't have anything going on. And for a person like me that is really into the education aspect of music and to always learning, always improving, um, I ended up uh, started taking lessons from online lessons from Todd Zuckerman, who's the drummer for Sticks. Um, he did a, a big thing through Drumio. And I participated in that, and it was a six-month uh, kind of lesson thing. And he would have lessons every single week, and you could, you know, play along. You would, you could record yourself, send it to him for feedback. And and I did so many of those things. And um, it's oh my God, Todd Suckerman, he is so underrated. I love Sticks, and I love their music, but he doesn't really get to show what he can do. Um, and what he's capable of. And believe me, he is a monster drummer. Wow. One of the best. Wow. Um, and you, you would never know it. But so I, t I did uh, six months uh, with him. And even today, I still use a lot of the warm up exercises before any show and a lot of the philosophy that, that he taught. So, you know, it's not just about drums, you know, listen to the lyrics. So if the lyrics are talking about something sad or something in that realm, you kind of want to play it in that in that way. Yeah, with the uh, the emotion. Exactly. It's yeah. it's all about that emotion. And if you're connecting with the lyrics, then you you can you can connect more with the emotion aspect of the song and really and really find out what it's trying to say. And so for all the songs that we do now in Phoenix Rising, I I pull all the lyrics. And I play with the lyrics, so to speak. So, and, and that's you're what feel, drummers you're feel, do. You're feeling the song. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and drummers set up things. And so set yeah. up the next movement or whatnot. And so knowing the lyrics and knowing what is going on in that aspect really, you know, should impact your playing. Um, it's not just, you got to have big ears, as I like to say. You got to hear everything and, and especially the lyrics because... Really and honestly, honestly, most people don't want to hear the drummer back there. They want to hear the chorus, and they want to hear, uh, they want to hear it that way. That that's what they hear. They want the hooks, uh, and they don't want a whole bunch of guitar solos or drum solos. <laughs> and so, you, you again, you have to cater to that, you know. And you know, going back to what we we talked about earlier, you know, if the singer is not feeling it, if they can't do it absolutely out of the question it's off the table so yeah yeah for sure i you know um i'm an emotional person in general believe it or not <laughs> <laughs> but when i play i'm definitely playing from an inner place you know it, it's mm -hmm. definitely a feel gotta feel the song feel the feel the vocalist and um 
you know, and I, I drive off the beat, you know. So, I sure. mean, some of us are out there, David, paying attention to the drummer. Well, good. That's good to hear. We, we um, are. Yeah, I, I used to <laughs> I used to play to the 2% out in the audience, the musicians out there trying to, you know, impress everybody. And I guess I probably still do. It's just being a progest drummer kind of guy. That's just my style. But uh, I'm definitely learning to have bigger ears and and listen to people and, and that. Yeah, good for you. And, you know, Phoenix Rising, I think, is probably a great vehicle for you to hone in on that, too, because, you, you know, the, the other people in the band are all, it seems to me, to be great musical communicators. Oh, ev- everybody is just phenomenal. I mean, again, because there's no egos, everybody is a team player. And in that sense, it's, it is a band, you know? I mean, it isn't... It isn't the Kelly Rush show, you know, I mean, we, we are all participating and we all have, you know, we're all in it for the same reason. And, you know, we're all giving our blood, sweat and tears essentially to the project and to, to make it better. And yeah, it's, it's going great. We're loving it. That's so good to hear. And uh, the future's bright there, correct? It really is. Okay, uh, I mean, we're, here. <laughs> we're, we're booked all year. Uh, and uh, we have lots of shows, lots of shows. Uh, we could always do more shows. Uh, mm. <laughs> I mean, but schedules and, and all that. I mean, we, we don't play out uh, as much as some of the other bands do. But, you know, I mean, that you can work. Are, you're out there. Oh, but we, yeah, we're at least two, two shows a month. And during the uh, summer months, we're you know, four shows a month. And, you know, if we could do more, we, we will. And, and during the summer, you'll do a lot of the, uh, the Thursday and Wednesday, you know, bike night kind Events. of shows. And yeah. so, you know, you may do that on a, a Thursday or a Wednesday or a Thursday, I then have a show that weekend. And so, uh, yeah, you can start clicking up those shows really, really quick. Yeah. Um, what, what do you, uh, reflect on in regard to your musical journeys um that that make you laugh that you've encountered perhaps or what what are some of the things that have happened that that uh you have any funny stories back there david um i've got a i got a couple i think um i think one thing that uh, always makes me laugh is uh when i was growing up I've got three older brothers. And so I think when I was like, you know, five, six, seven, eight, um, they would be playing the music that, that they like. And at that time, I don't know if you recall, again, I'm dating myself here, but in 1978, uh, the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton put out Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, that, that musical that was a movie. And as bad as that is, um, that's how I, I learned all the Beatles songs is through those eyes. And it's a very different set of eyes than, you know, the Beatles. So, you know, with the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton, it was a very pop oriented, uh, you know, slant. Yeah. Oh, it was a very pop oriented slant. And, you know, you, you've got all these you know, actors like George Burns, uh, you have Alice Cooper, you have Steve Martin, you know, singing some of these classic Beatles songs. And that's what, how I thought they were. And then later, 
in life, I heard the real original versions, <laughs> no and it just blew my mind. You know, I mean, what a different in in you know just in feel and the mentality behind that. Right. Um, so. Yeah, so I like to say that uh, while I, I grew up with the Beatles music, it was with a very pop flavor to it. And so maybe that's where, you know, I get some of my uh, poppiness that, that, that I like, some of the, the pop music that I can get into. Um, and so I, I always thought that was pretty interesting. My one brother would have uh, Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell record, and then my other brother would have that Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. And so... You know, what a variety right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, one one uh, another uh, interesting story I think is uh, when I was in high school, um, I uh, was in percussion ensemble, and Alan White of Yes, they had just uh, released the album. What is it? Nine oh one two five. I always want to say nine oh one two zero, but that's the TV show. The the Yes album. The Yes. Oh. Well, it was 90125 with um, Changes, Owner of a Lonely yeah, Heart. Yeah, the band. And yes. uh, in percussion ensemble, we did um, Changes, that song. I love that. Um, and I, I had the drum set part to it, which was so cool. <laughs> um, but um, the one of our competing high schools at Lancaster, they had Alan White come in and they were performing a lot of yes tunes just with their percussion ensemble. But I went to one of their rehearsals and then I, I went to the performance because at that time I was, I was getting into yes pretty heavily. And Alan was doing like a mini drum clinic and, you know, he, he had said, you know, are there any questions out there? And, and I of course raised my hand and I said, Alan, what, what is the best way to get into odd time? And he explained that it was through Led Zeppelin's The Ocean. And so he, he started to count it for me. And so he started counting the riff. So it's da 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 And that's in four. So it's one, two, three, four. And then the second phrase is da 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 And that's in seven. And he said, count it as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Don't say seven because you'll add that extra eighth note in there. And instead of playing in seven, eight, you're now playing in four, four. So he, he explained that to me. And then he said, you know, he played it and made it make perfect sense. And then he said, come up here and play it. And I came up there and just trashed it. Couldn't do it at all. Or, you know, I mean, it was, of course, but I was also in front of it's Alan White. Bonham. It's Bonham. Well, right. <laughs> and so... That he explained that was the best song to to really start getting in touch with Odd Time just because of the counting, the way that you count it, and that that really stuck with me. It's amazing. Yeah, so I got that little that little drum lesson from him uh, back in like 1988 or something like that. 88, 89. Very cool. Yeah, and I guess uh, let me think of. I get, I have uh, another story. This was this is cool too. Um, uh, back in Athens, uh, after uh, the um, Caesar's Palace gig, and I'm going to school and kind of doing that thing. Uh, a friend of a friend um, who was also in the lighting union in Ohio, who would do shows and stuff around uh, the state, he needed a ride to Cleveland 
to go to a rush show. And, you know, again, it was a friend of a friend, and apparently he was bringing some party favors up for the roadies and the band and stuff, and uh, he needed a ride. And uh, I provided a ride, and I was able to get pretty much backstage and did all that. So, And I still have my backstage pass, um, but I never got to meet the, the boys. I never got to meet my idols, uh, which, is, which is fine, but uh, was all backstage, was on the buses, uh, got a tour of the stage, couldn't touch anything, but was, and this was, you know, this was like in 96, and they're really, you know, we weren't using cell phones very much at that time right. at, at all. I think they were mostly, if you had one, it was a flip, even if you had one. I don't even think they were around then. Maybe not. Maybe uh, maybe not in you know as as they are now. Yeah. Oh, nothing like nothing like it is now. But um, yeah. So we uh, went up there, and I mean, uh, was backstage, got the tour and everything. Um, and then during uh, intermission, this was the uh, this was the test for Echo uh, tour, and this is where they played Twenty One Twelve its entirety right before intermission, and so. At intermission, I, you know, I ran to the stage and uh, Larry Allen was Neil Peart's drum tech. Um, you know, I had already been hanging out with him before the show. And so he gave me Neil's sticks right after playing the full 2112. Um, what an amazing day that was. Do you was. still have those sticks uh, somewhere? No. Somebody oh. stole those when I, back in Athens, somebody stole the sticks. and But... Thankfully, I do have the uh, backstage pass, and that is with some of my... That's really cool. Yeah, that's, that's with some of my memorabilia. But yeah, that, that was an amazing experience. That's really cool. Yeah, to, to see everything backstage, to see how they do the production, and just the intensity of that whole situation. <sighs> I can imagine. Um, yeah, I, I, I wish I could have uh, done it you know, every, every tour or something. For sure. Um, but yeah, for me, Rush, uh, Rush was uh, a huge influence on me. Um, yeah, I, I think I first heard them um, actually going from seventh grade into, I think it was seventh grade. Yeah, going into, no, it was going from eighth grade into my freshman year of high school when I was starting band camp. Um, band camp, so I wasn't even a, a full freshman yet. And some of our mutual friends, Michael Shirey, uh, our, our phenomenal, phenomenal photographer, um, we go back way back there. And he's from Athens as well as, oh, cool. as his family. And Michael was uh, a grade above me, and he was in marching band too. And we were in the, the cymbal. We were the cymbal players uh, my freshman year. But during band camp, you know, when we were back in the dorms, um, they were playing uh, exit stage left from, uh, Russia's exit stage left. And they were playing Neil's drum solo there. And I just, you know, I was blown away. And from that moment on, I became a student of Rush and just studied everything I could learned their music as much as I could would get their tabs just to try to figure out some of the, what in the, the heck is he doing? Yeah. Oh, what is Neil doing? <laughs> what, what is going on here? Um, and, and really studied that when I should have been studying, uh, you know, college. Early Civ. Yeah, yeah, for, <laughs> for sure. Um, but I, I was studying Rush and, and, and their craziness. 
And, um, you, and you still can. And you still do. I still do, yeah. That's awesome, man. Rush is, uh, Rush is it for me, you know? They, they just they do it for me. Yeah, and Phoenix Rising carries that torch in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Does it well. We play we play a lot of a lot of great stuff that I'm in love with. Uh, Rush, Tool, uh, a, a lot of the the heavier stuff that we've been doing lately is just so much fun to play, and we just we enjoy it uh, so much. And well, and I think the venues enjoy it too. The people that are there that love the show. The show's great. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. And it keeps and it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, you know, visually, as well as the you know the uh, the the sonic aspect or, or the music aspect of it, you know, and they're they're covers. But are you guys writing any original music? We we don't have any original music, and mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if we're really going to go down that road. Um, we really enjoy um, the covers and and going that route and. You know, to be honest, this was really this is really That's the market for live music. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and when you play, when you're an original band, you you tend to share the stage with four or five other bands. Everybody's sharing gear, and it's you know you it's you, messy. you get a half hour, forty five minutes, and it's it's not really fulfilling. Um, when we do a show, it's it's a four hour show, and I get to play my heart out. I get to play every freaking thing i can possibly play in that four hours and at the end of the night i'm i'm absolutely exhausted but i'm satisfied or i'm i'm fulfilled you know it's hard to explain i i can get everything out of me and you do yeah Uh, yeah 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 i see you coming off that stage and at the end of the night you're (laughs) you're 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 um you're wired but you know you can tell you're spent you know, you've, you've, you've left it on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I believe that a hundred percent and, and, you know, my old friend, Derek Whitlatch will tell you, even from when we were in middle school, you know, cutting our teeth, I would say, you know, every show is like Madison square garden and you have to treat it that way. I have to treat it like this is going to be my last performance and it's Madison square garden. And I have to give it everything I got, no matter what. And so I try to make every single show, I try to play in that spirit for every show. Yeah. And that's so awesome, man. Oh, thank you. And uh, I can't thank you again for, for making the time to make episode number 54 of Columbus Local Podcast what it, what it, what it was yeah. this evening. 54. Yes, sir. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it, David. Well, thank you so much for having me, Len. And uh what a great setup you got and I'm loving all your podcasts and I'm learning so much about a lot of the amazing musicians that are here in town and some that I've never even heard of and some friends that I'm learning a lot more about, you know? So cool. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you for doing this. And thank you all for listening. It's episode number 54, David Blosser drummer. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.